Hey everyone, and welcome to the podcast of Nonsensical Gamers. My name is Matt, and joining me on the cast today are my two wonderful co-hosts, the best in the game, Miss Tiffany B. Hello. And Dan. Ladies. Thank you all for joining us for this episode. In case you don't know where to find us, you can do so on Facebook at the League of Nonsensical Gamers. Shoot us an email at podcast at nonsensicalgamers.com. Find us on the BGG Guild number 2077 to join the conversation. Head on over to YouTube and check out Tiffany B's first vlog. How do you feel about that, Tiff? (laughs) I like it. It turned out better than I thought it could. It's less awkward than one might think. Yeah, it's pretty great. Everyone's liking it. Uh, If you like the show... Head on over to iTunes or Stitcher or Google Play and leave us a review and you can be like my new favorite fan, Mr. or Miss A. Stewart 730, who went on to iTunes and gave us a review and a couple of stars and uh, apparently this individual likes our chemistry, likes how we interact on this show, which is odd because none of us like each other. You can also head on over to Instagram, use hashtag NonsensicalGamers, check out what games we've been playing and what pictures we've been taking, or find us on places like Twitter, which you can find our handles at the end of the show. So, you have joined us for the podcast of Nonsensical Gamers on this episode. We are going to do our top of the stack for July and review how we did in June. We've got a couple of questions to be answered. A couple of good ones from the guild. And uh, before we get into any of that, though, we're going to start like we always do with a little bit about what we've been playing. Tiffany B., I could not be prouder of this list you have. That's right. I'm back. Yeah. Gaming is back in my life. So this week, I played Imhotep the correct way. It's probably the highlight of my gaming. It didn't change anything. (laughs) (laughs) I hate to admit when Dan is right, but Dan was right. It really didn't change much. It felt exactly the same. Now, I still haven't played with the B-sides. This was the A-side of the tiles because my group is new to it. So we played that way. It didn't go too bad, and no one was, like, upset with the game or hated it. But I didn't really get the sense that anybody liked it. It's kind of the same reaction I had to it. It's kind of like, it's a vanilla game. It's There's not much going on. And I didn't feel like there was a lot of strategy to be had, even knowing that I can load my cubes in whatever spaces I wanted. There was a little bit more, like a tiny, teeny little bit more, but it still felt kind of blah. Yeah, I taught Kel this. We played it two-player this past week, and I taught it correctly this time. And I agree with you. It doesn't really change anything, although I like having the option. Like, I don't think it revolutionizes the game. It doesn't change anything that big. But I like when I go to place my cube remembering, oh, I can put this where I want. Okay, that's cool. I utilized it a couple of times. Uh, Yeah, I think... Like, every time I'm like, oh, I'm going to put my cube here because this I'm going to take this boat over here. Like, someone else moves that boat to where I don't want it to be, and that's how that always played out for me. Yeah. So, I don't know, Imhotep. I don't know about you. I think Kel felt the same way, and I was a little bummed because I have yet to find anyone who legitimately, like, enjoys this game. I really liked it at 2. I liked it when we played it, even though slightly incorrectly at 4. I think this game's a lot of fun, and I don't know why everyone... I mean, I guess I get why everyone thinks it's boring, but it's not... You know, it's like Dan said, it's like the cacao of this year. Like, it's a good game, though. It's just not overly exciting. Cacao's better. Yeah. No. Thank you, Dan. No. Yes, cacao is better, because I wanted to play cacao a bajillion times last year at Origins. If someone was like, hey, Tiff, you want to play Imhotep real quick? I'd be like, mm. I like this game. 
It's okay. I think it's fun. It's a game. At two players, it's mean. Okay. It's really, Kel and I, We I first taught Kel, we played one round and we didn't move any boats until they were all fully loaded. Like we just like back and forth, back and forth. The second round, none of those boats got more than the minimum requirement before we were sniping them from each other and just ruining each other's day. So it was kind of fun. It was a little take that at two players, uh, spice it up a little bit, but I, you know. I think it's fun for what it is. It's a, you know, it's a light Euro game. It works. I do want to try the B-side, but I'm enjoying it. Well, I'm happy for you. I just, I'm thinking <laughs> about it in terms of like a gateway game, you know, like yeah. a, like a ticket to ride. Holy crap. I don't know. I mean, I guess it's it's around there. I think it's a little bit. It's less than, more. it's way less ticket to ride. It's way more boring than ticket to ride. More boring than Ticket to Ride? Yes, oh my yes. Gosh. I would rather play Ticket to Ride a thousand times over. Really? Mm-hmm. This is insane. I I mean, Ticket to Ride is just such a classic. I, I still love playing it. I mean, I get that, it. but... I just mean, like, if you're thinking of it in terms of, like, a gateway game, I would rather play that as a gateway game. Or Carcassonne, or, geez, I don't know, a million games before this one. This just has one. such interesting scoring. Like, the five different ways to score, you're ne- trying to navigate the difference between them all, trying to find what to favor. They're boring. They're all yeah. boring. Oh, oh you man. stack cubes this way. Oh, you stack cubes this way. I don't know. I'm so sad. Try the. We'll try the B-sides, but I don't know. I'm happy with it. I yeah. like it. Dan I don't right. care what you say, Tiff, and what you don't say, Dan. <laughs> Dan I'm, still hasn't played it, right? I've only played it once. Oh. And I would agree. I probably would have rather sat down and played Ticket to Ride. Bam. I, Dan would rather play Ticket to Ride. What does that tell you, people? Especially if it's the UK map. I like that one. Well, we're talking base Ticket to Ride when we do this comparison. I'd still rather play base Ticket to Ride. All right. All right. Fine. Imhotep is not exciting. I don't know that I agree that Imhotep is a gateway. It's like a gateway plus maybe. But again, I've only played it once and it was boring. So It's not that complicated. I think anybody could learn in Imhotep. No, but I think when you bring in timing structures and take that and stuff like that, I'm not sure that I want to introduce those things to people right away, like especially new gamers, because that could sour their experience and things like that. But again, I don't know. I don't really play with new gamers, so I'm not really good at introducing new games to people. So, Like from a board game club standpoint, my kids prefer games that are take that so it would probably be a good gateway game for a lot of middle schoolers because they enjoy that sort of interaction in games it seems anyway at least the ones that i have to do it for the kids tiff keep it for the kids i'll put it in this context i would introduce them to code names and karuba before i ever let them see emotep i agree with that because of the complexity what i i think it's slightly above those two in complexity but i don't that doesn't mean it's necessarily good because of that no 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 that's not what i'm saying i was saying your recommendation for codenames in karuba is that because they're better or because they're easier they fit more for me and what i would introduce to my like my college friends who don't play board games at all like yeah uh, they loved codenames i would not bring out imhotep codenames is a party game i don't think it's a fair comparison it's it's still a board game <laughs> Well, and that's the interesting thing of why they're in the Spiel des Jahres together. Yeah. They're so hard to compare. They are. I think Karuba should win, but... I like Imhotep in terms of gameplay. Karuba probably makes more sense, though, for the award. Is If Dan's on Codename side, then we have a podcast divided, yeah? Three-way split. <laughs> I was just looking at the statistics for Codenames the other day. They released them. They've distributed 400,000 
400,000 copies in less than a year. That's insane. 400,000. It's a great game. When your average like designer hobby game sells 2,000 to 5,000. It doesn't even need the Spiel des Jahres. It's just like, eh, I got this covered. Yeah, it's almost <laughs> a waste of the award because like, the publishers like the sales bump. Yeah. So while, I mean, in my brain, I think that Codename should win, but my heart would pick Karuba. My my heart would pick Karuba. <laughs> what heart, Dan? Come on. <laughs> oh, my. All right. Let's talk about another game that Dan... Die, Tiff. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry. It's not heartless. It's soulless. My bad. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is like the epitome of Imhotep, soulless hero. It's, it's brown, that's for sure. It's so brown. Kel was so displeased with the colors. I dumped it out and was like, all right, pick a color. She's like, what the? What are these crap colors? It's I hideous to example. look at. It's so... it's so neutral. But it's like Egyptian themed. It, it makes sense. It makes sense. But literally, you dump it out and it's like various shades of diarrhea. Like it's like, oh, <laughs> who but wants if those Taco cubes Tuesday? Were like blue, Boom. purple, red, yellow. Your pyramid would look so hideous. It would look ridiculous. It, it fits. It fits. It is. I mean, yeah, I'm not. Agree- I'm not disagreeing with that. It fits the theme. All right. So here's a here's a nice transition to something that's much more brightly colored. Uh, let's talk about junk art because we played two full games of junk art just last night, and so that's like six of the locations. So junk art is the New Pretzel Games stacking game that came out at Origins, a limited release. Um, I think, Tiff, you picked this. Did you pick this up? No. I did not. You did not. All right. So Dan got this for me. We played it. It's basically along the lines of Bandu or Balsack. Uh The difference here is that these different game modes, basically there's 10 different ways to play, and you pick three of them to play a full game. So you go through three of these little cities, you play three different mini games, and you see who wins. You score points along the way. But really, I mean, it's mostly about the fun of stacking. Now, I really like this game, and, you know, in retrospect, Dan and I, I butted heads with Dan because it seemed like Dan was not having a good time. You, Dan seemed like you were not having a good time uh, in that you had a lot of criticisms in terms of the shapes fitting together some of the color scheme stuff where like the point chips are black and white but all the other pieces are super colorful um, blues and oranges uh, pastel colors and I I wasn't sure where you were falling on it and it was it was bumming me out because I really like the game it seemed like everyone was having a good time but I couldn't tell if you were having a good time because you had a lot of criticisms with the different things about the game now in reflection a lot of what you said is exactly right that there is something about junk art versus uh Bowsack or bandu where bandu is very simplistic it's got like nude colored blocks it looks really boring the gameplay isn't terribly varied from game to game but it's it's almost like a better stacking game from the perspective of the pieces fit in more interesting ways junk art is a game where your dexterity comes into it in the sense that you're balancing and trying to maneuver in ways that don't always fit together. Bandu seems like it's almost like I need to strategically grab pieces that I know will combine. Like this cup or this pyramid fits on this ball and this tube fits in this hole. Where junk art, it's like, this almost fits, but it doesn't quite fit, so I've got to balance it precariously. And your towers get really weird and shaky. But I know that, Dan, you were saying there was something that wasn't as satisfying because the pieces didn't quite fit together. So I'm going to... I'll let you speak for yourself, but those were my thoughts. I was kind of reflecting on the game this morning. I didn't think it was bad. I mean, first I'd like to say that what is with these stacking games and their reference to the male anatomy? I mean, you got ball sack and junk art. I just... <laughs> <laughs> let's just... I think it's bow sack, not ball sack. <laughs> 
Either way, that's my first observation. Just like to put that out there. Thanks. That's a that's a good part to start the review. I mean, you you come here for the critical thought, do you not? <laughs> <laughs> and they stay for the penis jokes. Yeah. So let's start out. Matt Matt kind of touched on it. I wasn't. I mean. I would do this with any game. I comment on components and I comment on scoring mechanisms and other mechanisms and things like that. Like, that's just like what I like to do now. Like when I play a game, it's not that I don't like the game. I just kind of talk through it out loud. But um, starting with my main criticism, like Matt said, I, I didn't feel as satisfied in the stacking because I, I really like that part of Bandu, how like I can see the kind of the interlocking pieces and I can strategically grab one knowing that i'm not completely screwed if i get stuck with this one or this one um that for me was is the really fun part about bandu ball sack whatever it's called whereas with the junk art it's like they tease you it's like oh this thing looks like it'll fit in this but it doesn't and i'm like well why didn't you just make it fit i don't know like yeah that that was my biggest criticism of the game now i will say that i thought the game modes in junk art were much better i thought there was more of a game around this one so i'd honestly like to take the game system and the bandu pieces and make that game and i think i'd have like my perfect stacking game to be honest with you um now i didn't like all of the modes i thought we played six different ones i don't know how many there are in the game there's 10 okay so we played six of the 10 my least favorite was that trick taking you one because it just it just took too long it dragged out the round and i i honestly i didn't like the scoring in that one but that's people who play that we can talk about that offline but uh like my favorite mode was tokyo i really liked the drafting the piece for the person to your left and like screwing them over a little bit like yeah (laughs) i had a lot of fun with that like i thought that was fun because i gave my mom four pots in a row (laughs) she had had flower pot she had to stack these little flower pot things and she was getting so upset and and she won but it was funny (laughs) um so yeah i i liked that i mean the color the color stuff that was just a that's a minor thing i just you have this brightly colored game and then you're like here are some black and white chips i was like oh give me some gold and something like i don't know that's just a really really just off the wall minor criticism but my biggest thing like i said was the was the pieces like i i thought they could just have been cooler to interact with they were they were just not like you said satisfying to stack it was just like all right let me put this on here and then let me put this on here and while i guess it may have been a little more challenging i don't know it didn't like i really like the visualization that bandu provides because i can see that ball going in the cup on top of that stick that slides through the donut and like i I like that yeah bottom line uh i like the game system of junk art and i like the pieces of bandu somebody make me a stack of cards that i can play (laughs) that game and i have them both so maybe we can draw something exactly i think that would be the perfect dexterity game see i like junk art pieces i like that they don't fit together because it really forces you to do riskier things i you probably don't have this problem in your group but in the past when i've played dexterity games with mine they like play to win which makes it really boring everybody is doing the same thing junk art forces you to like put a flower pot on top of a long cylinder that could never possibly stand and when it does it's like what but but when it doesn't it's got built-in buffer it's like oh you can come back in the game 
Like, Bandu, it's like, you knock it over, boom, you're out. Like, and Giancarlo's like, oh, you can knock over, like, four pieces. We'll let you. So, like, I, I understand what you're saying. <laughs> like, it gave you that kind of feeling of let's be riskier, but then it cushioned it with a trampoline. Right. I like, think I prefer, I don't know. I don't know. Both games are good for different kinds of groups, but I, I like the idea of not feeling inhibited in your stacking. Like, you can go ahead and try this crazy thing that you know is never going to work. And if it doesn't work, you're back in. And if it does work, you're like king of the junk art. But you but you can do that in Bandu. Like, I'm not saying you have to make everything fit in Bandu. But it was just, it was cool when you're like, yes, I can just stick this ball in the cup. But now, crap, I got to stack something on this ball. But it, it had just that small little moment of, yeah, this fit. That was fun. Like, kind of thing. That's all I'm saying. Uh, we played with Mom. And I think Mom really had fun with... It's it's forgiving, which is a good. It makes it more of a like a partyish, familyish kind of game. Bandu, like kind of Tiff said, like when we played Bandu with the brothers, we played a win. But if you look on my Instagram, you'll see a picture of Kel who built her whole structure on top of two giant cylinders that were given to her from Eric, like the screw your neighbor kind of game mode. So it it was just fun that like it forces you to get those more precarious structures going, like Tiff said, which I guess in the nature, like this is a much more lighthearted game, it feels like, so it fits. I, I understand why it works that way, but I also understand Dan's point. I don't know, we're all friends here. No, but no, but <laughs> I, I'd also say this, I felt, and maybe again, it's group dependent, I thought the pieces in Bandu were more conducive to going higher. I didn't think the pieces in Junkart were very, they weren't fun. But, like, you had a lot of flat, like, pieces, and you had a lot, like, Bandu, it's like, when we played that, I remember, like, Mike had, like, a 8-inch stack, and Eric had, like, a 10, and I had, like, a 7, you know what I mean? Like, we had, like, giant structures, and in, like, Junk Art, I just felt like those pieces stifled me from going up. Yeah, they're not a, they're not as, like, chunky. Bandu pieces are, like, Jenga blocks, like, they're thicker wood, a little bit heavier. The Junk Art pieces are, there's more of them because... You know, there's more quantity of them, uh, which means there's four of each piece, which makes those um, like screw your neighbor kind of ones a little more precarious because it's not just like, oh, Biff took the ball and Bandu and stacked it. It's there's four of those that Dan's going to give you if you if you let him kind of thing. But I no, I do agree. Like the structures aren't as kind of towering. They're not as chunky. They're not as monstrous, but when you throw in the game mode of like, okay, if you want to score the points, it's tallest structure. Now, all of a sudden, you're balancing your cylinder. You're, you're deciding to go tall instead of, you know, horizontal. You're going vertical instead of horizontal kind of thing. So, it, I don't know. I think that all of these points are valid. Yeah, it, it just depends. But I think that it's safe to agree that the strong point of Junk Art is the game modes. Yeah. You know, I think that that's where it thrives. I think Tiff just likes the structure of Junk Art. <laughs> What's wrong with structure, Dan? I'm just What's saying. What's wrong with structure? I know you like structure in your social games, so. And it's really aesthetically pleasing. Like, it's a, it's a well-put-together game. Let, well, I mean, and should there's we strategy touch on the there, point? like, even when you're not going tall. So let's say the, the goal is to get the tallest thing. You still, there there's some value in maybe not going way, way up if you see everybody else trying to do these crazy, precarious things, just trying to get it sort of tallish but more stable than everybody else's can pay off. I, I don't know. There are just, there are things with this game that I like a lot, little moments in it. There were. It, it seemed restrictive at times, too. I think, again, a small ah, thing. Sweet, sweet restrictions. I know, but like Bandu, you can like strategically pick pieces and do things to like screw your neighbor. And I guess that's why I like the Tokyo mode the best, because I could like pick 
from that stack of 10 which one mom was going to build kind of thing like that was fun for me the other modes where it was just flip a card stack that piece or grab a card from the three that are available stack that piece like that one was just kind of like eh, i guess but like where i had more choice and like I, I thought that was where that game was was a lot more fun for me yeah less predictable in terms of what you're gonna get which means that you have to do more daring thing you know it's it, there's excitement yeah, in fun. being handed a random card now would i pay 70 bucks for it no well, that's the thing, yeah. So forty-five on cool stuff, seventy bucks retail. Forty-five, okay. Uh, I'm okay with that at forty-five. Forty-five is a good price. It's the better price, you know. Seventy bucks is no. I think there's seventy dollars worth of contents. The question is, is it seventy dollars worth of game? You know, everything's well made. It's got that nice box. I think that uh, their first venture, Flick 'Em Up, is probably more along that seventy-dollar price point. I think that that makes a little bit more sense because you got a lot of scenarios in there. It's a premium. It's a luxury game and i wouldn't want a 30 dollar plastic version of this no but for the listeners i think you can do better getting this one offline yeah 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 all right let's move along dan what have you been playing nothing oh something um you gotta have played something i guess the only other thing that i've played that i haven't talked about before would be mystic veil vale. this was yeah. something that we busted out i've only played this once so my opinion will be a first impression this is the new card crafting deck building game from AEG. I guess that's how I'd summarize it, and that's how they summarize it, I think, as well. Um, this is, again, Mystic Veil is where you're taking these tarot-sized sleeves and you're slotting in three sections of the card, so top, middle, and bottom, to create, like, a super card that then gets thrown in through a deck-building mechanism. And it's got a little bit of pressure luck, and it's got, again, like, the drafting of the cards and creating the deck and it was i i I don't know where i sit on it i i liked the idea of it obviously i'm not a big deck building fan i think fans of the show will know that deck building is probably one of my least favorite things as like a whole system i like when it's a part of a system but when it's just flat out like dominion style deck building i'm not that's not my thing this this is kind of full out dominion style i think right out of the box um, where you just got the three rows of cards you can buy them using the money that you've kind of pulled out um, where it differs is the card crafting thing and that's the gimmick um, but it worked i felt overall it was a bit too short for getting any sort of real interesting engine going i guess if i want to describe the main aspect of it is that when you You've got these symbols on the left sides of the cards. So each piece you put into the card, there's three top, middle, and bottom, like I said, gives you like one of like, I don't know, there's like 10 different symbols that can be put on these cards or something like that. And the main symbols are money and then this red symbol. What is it, Matt? Like a spoiled tree or something? Yeah, it's it has to do with how you spoil, which is like you bust on the pressure luck. I don't know if it's called like a curse or something like that. It's bad. So one of the cool, cool things, I guess that's different from regular deck building instead of just having a hand of five cards throwing it down on the table and counting up your symbols this one has a pressure luck element where you're flipping over the top card of your deck and you keep flipping over cards until you reach three of these red tree symbols these spoil symbols and once you hit that point you can either stop and then use the symbols that you've aggregated on your tableau to then buy and sell things or you could press your luck further and risk what's called spoiling your hand. And if you do that, then you lose all your cards and your turn's over. So it was, a, it was kind of fun to do that. Like, And you do that at the end of your turn too, so you know what is going to be available to you once your turn comes back around again. And it really lent to quick, snappy turns, which I really appreciate in a deck builder because 
usually that's the part that's so annoying in a deck builder is people going, all right, well, this card, if I play this first, I get plus one to this card if I play it second. And it, you're trying to time that out, which I know a lot of people like that comboing, but it just drags on, especially if you're not playing it on an app. Again, speed of the game was a plus. I think the, the kind of ingenuity that's there with the card crafting system, I think, is something that they can really build on. Um, that's another plus. Uh, downside, the, sh the game just was too short for what it was. The end game condition, there's like a race for the galaxy style pool of victory points. And once that goes away, the game ends. I thought that just came about too quickly. I didn't feel as satisfied getting an, any sort of engine going. It was just kind of going through the motions. But there was some there was some cool little card interactions that could be had just like any other deck building. So I think there's there's stuff to explore. I think the, the rumor is, or I don't even know if it's a rumor, I think it's fact that this is going to be part of a much larger game a bigger system so i think for me personally i'd rather have this as part of a game as opposed to a standalone game but again that's just off one play and i i just like i said i felt the biggest criticism was it just wasn't satisfying you know i just didn't feel this kind of oh i really felt like i did something i felt like oh i needed three more turns kind of thing so that's mystic veil i guess you could expand the points like you could play with the four player points in a three player game kind of thing to drag it out a little bit i've been surprised by how much the system really works and and how much i like it because i was thinking it was going to be a gimmick in the sense of like a negative sense where they're just trying to draw attention but i think this is a legitimate way to do a deck builder that's actually new that actually works where you only have 20 cards and your car you keep that deck size so you don't end up with this big old pile of 50 cards at the end of the game they have to sort through you're improving the card that you already have um, and some of some of them are blank so you've got this option of do i build on a card that already has symbols do i start a new card and the interactions kind of relate to how you're stacking these tiers with this top middle and bottom and i yeah i really think that it works dan pointed out the the pace of the game it went really quick kel and i have already played it a couple of times so we kind of knew where we were headed it doesn't have the Dominion style where you pick cards to populate at the beginning of the game. You don't pick like 10, you just shuffle them all up and there's a row of three to choose from. So it doesn't give you as much control over your combo building because you can't buy exactly the card that you want, which is kind of a downside in the deck building standpoint. But it does lend to, I'm not thinking too much because these are the cards I have to buy. Uh, and one of the things that Dan, I don't know if I don't think you touched on this too much, is that there's another type of cards, which are like endgame cards that don't get sleeved, and they sometimes give you like special abilities, so you can go for these elemental symbols that are a secondary type of currency. So there is a strategy there where you can try to grab those if no one's really going for them, and I experimented that with, uh, with that a little bit, and it, it worked out. You know, I lost by a point, so I think there's viability in terms of the game there. I've just, I'm impressed with the system, and I think that they... I don't know exactly what they're doing. They're doing a fantasy-based thing. It's in the back of the rule book. They say, you know, going to be featured in this other AEG game. So I don't know if that's going to involve, like, building up a character. I think that that could be really cool for in, like, a role-playing kind of sense. Like, or improving armor or upgrading like that. And I think that this, like, Gloom-style see-through cards, it, it really does work. And I think it's kind of cool. I would have liked more options. I guess the last thing I would say. Like, the three of each, right? Like... Why not just do five of each? Like, give me a little bit more option. That way I can... I mean, I'm already crafting, so why not give me more options to craft with? Because you mentioned those, those endgame cards, those kind of, I don't know, like milestones or something along this line. But 
some of those had like five, six symbols on them. I was like, there's, I only had like three of those in my deck. Like there's, and that wasn't because they weren't, didn't go for that. It was because I didn't have access to them. So it, it almost like eliminated me from one part of the game just based on the random choice that was available throughout the game. So I, th- I don't know. I think by like just adding like a couple extra cards to the, the, the general supply, it might've just given some more options strategically. I don't know. It worked. I wasn't. I was. I didn't hate it. I, I thought it was good. Yeah. I don't know if it's because they're trying to build toward. Like you said, when we first got the game, you're like, this is actually almost kind of like a trial run for the system. So I don't know if they just. I'm not saying the game is half baked. I think it's a legit game, but maybe like they didn't push the limits of the system because they were just wanted to trial to see if it works. I, I had heard, and I forget who told me that they they were afraid to introduce this in the game, the, the larger game, all at once. So they thought, let's break this piece off get people familiar with the system, the card crafting kind of thing, experiment with it, etc. And then we'll release it as part of this larger project. And then it's kind of got that familiarity that, you know, people won't be so scared by it, maybe. I don't know. It's something to look out for. I think that it's it's pretty neat. You know, I think it's going to be around like 45 bucks. I'm not sure about in terms of price range, but something to pay attention to. I definitely try it out. Tiff, you didn't, this didn't cross your path during Origins, right? No. And you're, are you a deck builder these no, days? No, no. Yeah, so I'd say it's worth a try for the novelty, for the sake of being a well-rounded gamer, Tiff. I'm okay not <laughs> being well-rounded. Yeah. <laughs> you can cheat in it. Because <laughs> I couldn't see this being like competitively played because like you could definitely tell where your best cards are in your deck because they're the thickest ones. Because <laughs> you got three yeah, sleeves in Yeah, there is something them. to that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Tiff, you don't care about mystic veil or deck building what do you care about what even what else you've been playing really just playing a lot of the stuff that i got at origins and stuff that my friends got at origins um more beyond baker street with the characters still awesome mana surge still mana did you play more mana surge (laughs) yeah justin bought it so we we played that this is it better with less than six i agree that it is better with less than six uh we played it with three which I didn't think was very ideal either. Probably like four or five is the sweet spot for Mana Surge, which if you don't know about... I, we've talked about Mana Surge before, right? It's your wizards, your spell casting, and you're trying to get the spell to land on not you, generally. And I don't know. It was okay. It's, it's like a tiny little filler type of game, so uh, I don't mind it. I think it might even be something that the kids would like, but I'm not going to buy it. So there's that. And then as far as like something new that I played, I finally got to play Animals on Board. What'd you think? Uh, I'm glad you guys recommended it to me because it is just like so beautifully simple. I had a lot of moments. I don't know how you guys did with this, but I was so frustrated that I couldn't get big herds of animals in my arc. In Tiff's arc, there were no big strings of animals. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, well, I only played the once. Dan, have you played since? I mean, if you're playing right, people shouldn't be getting these large strings. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, if you're playing right, you should be like, oh, Tiff's going for pandas. Not today, Tiff. Split that panda off into three <laughs> groups. Yeah, I, I've seen, personally, I've gotten, I've gotten four. Nice. I think that was my the highest I've gotten, but I've seen I've seen someone get five, but that's just because we weren't paying attention. Okay, I was gonna say I think we were on 
on top of it. So, you know, it was like you could tell who was going for what and you just like split that off and it's like more screw you than I guess I was ready for with a cute little animal game. Yeah, it can be a little cutthroat if you if you kind of have a good grasp on what the table is trying to do. Like you can just start splitting things off and forcing some really tough decisions, which is what I like about it for how simple it is. Like it for me it's, you know, I've played that piece of cake game, which is probably the the thing I compare this most to as far as the I split you choose and I, I like this better because of that it's like you know what people are going for but it's still kind of a mystery so you're like oh you're agonizing over how you want to split the thing so and I really like the scoring system I think it's kind of unique that okay you can get one that's fine but if you get two I, I could stick you with two and then you're really boned but if it's three and I forgot that you already had two then you're like you're in the money kind of thing so it, it really plays some some mental games with you <laughs> Yeah, I was. There was a surprising amount of AP going on at our table when we were playing this. We played it a few times in a row, actually. So that's usually a good sign. If if we play it, we're like, oh, let's play it again. Like my goal was just to, can I get more than one, my, one animal? That's kind of my first round was like I just had one of each thing that I had, <laughs> and and it was kind of sad. But uh, I thought it was fun, and I I agree. I like it better than piece of cake. Piece of Cake didn't do too well uh, with my group, so and this one definitely went a lot better. So Animals on Board, good game. Good job, guys. Awesome. Well, one of the other games that we talked about for Origins that I've gotten more plays of now is the Sherlock Holmes and Mycroft. Ooh. Kel and I have been playing that a bunch in the capacity of, I'm like, hey, Kel, are you willing to play a game? And she's like, eh, let's just grab something quick. And Holmes and Mycroft is really kind of filling that void. Now, this is the mini worker placement. You know, don't want to, got to move your meeples, can't have two of your own on the same action space or because you block yourself. Set collection game. And what I'm finding is that I really do enjoy the variability in how the characters, the action spaces come out each turn. Uh, because across multiple games, I'm thinking, okay, we're going to get tired of, you know, these same old spaces. But it's surprising how much that simple, like, change up in what's available when really alters your gameplay and your ability to gather certain types of sets and the, the way that you go. You know, we've had a lot of different variation where we're just kind of grabbing one card at a time, where we're stockpiling uh, magnifying glasses, where we're doing you know, more the take that ceiling stuff, you know, it all depends on what comes out where. And I'm finding that I like, I'm, I'm starting to build preferences of like, oh, I hope this guy comes out early, or I've got this strategy where if I see this guy in the first couple days, I know I'm going to do this. Um, I just tried a strategy yesterday with Cal where the opening turn was the guy who you can pay one hourglass, take a card off the top, and you can pay more hourglasses to take multiples and choose one. Well, I just every turn grabbed a card off the top and uh, just had this big old stockpile of hidden cards that she couldn't steal. And I was like, if she finally called on like turn five, she's like, I, we need to make that go away <laughs> so that you can't keep hiding all these cards. And it was a lot of fun. I'm just, I'm surprised by how much I'm getting out of the game because it's, you know, it's not depthy, but it, I like the variability. So have you gotten to play yours at all, Tiff? No, two player games only happen when we have a lot of people at game group. And right now we're, just four of us playing weekly and possibly going to be expanding soon. So it might come into play where we need two players because another game isn't going to work out five or six. But yeah, haven't had a chance to play it yet again, but it doesn't surprise me. I really, that was the first thing that I noticed with all those different, because you don't use all the cards from play to play either. So there's, there's a lot of replayability in a very small box. So 
I'm glad to hear that it's working out. Thank you for allowing me to watch your demo. My pleasure. <laughs> Even if you couldn't really tell at the, in the moment. Wow, yeah. All right. Uh, Dan, anything else been happening for you, or was that pretty much it? Nope. Well, then let's go ahead and make a transition and talk about what Dan wants to be playing. We did our top of the stack for June, so let's go ahead and recap. Dan, we'll start with you, buddy. What was on my list? (laughs) (laughs) You had, for June, 13 Days, The Cuban Missile Crisis, Aura at Labora, Torres, and The Bloody Inn. Yep. Nice. One out of four. What happened? I didn't play a lot, and even in Origins, I didn't play a lot, so... Well, then what is on tap for July? I'll probably keep it simple because July is a pretty busy month. I'll be traveling and weddings and all kinds of dumb stuff. But um, (laughs) uh, let's go with Council of Four. This was a game that I wanted to play at Origins, but I accidentally left the pieces I punched at home. Because we didn't play that, we played Bloody Inn, so at least I salvaged 25% of my stack and helped Tiff finally (laughs) play the Bloody Inn. So, um, I, I feel like I did my community service. Um, you're welcome, Tiff. Love you. Um, Thanks, next Dan. would be uh, Piratoons. This is the stronghold game about building a pirate ship, which I'm really hoping is good because I love pirates and I've always wanted to build a pirate ship, but not a lot of water around where I live. So, yeah. And then last one. That's why you want to play this game. It's because you've always wanted to build a pirate ship, but you don't have water. <laughs> Pretty much. I mean... <laughs> I mean, I've always, like, what would you do if you just built a pirate ship and you didn't have water? Like, what would you do with it? Well, no, I, mean, no, I agree that that would be. It. it could be like yeah. your cool clubhouse, Dan. I don't, I, I live in a condo. Well, that's a serious problem. I mean, problem. I guess, I mean, I have two parking passes. I guess I could put it in one. <laughs> um, it would be a smaller pirate ship, but I'd say still it's, worthwhile. It's not the size that matters, Tiff. It's the motion of the ocean. <laughs> Come on. The old idiom. I knew we could make it through this episode without... Something. What? You... Hey, I was fully prepared to go into my third game before you guys questioned my pirate ship building. Proceed, please. Uh, The last one. I'm going to put... Let's go with Super Motherload. I really want to see what this is all about. This is a deck building game with a board aspect. And you're kind of like drilling things. And I've heard good things. I picked it up for really cheap. So let's put that one. Council of Four, Pyratoons, Super Motherload, 100% done. Yeah, I went on to PlayStation Network to check out the sale they were having, and I saw this as a video game and got very confused. I had no idea it was based on a video game. So which one came first, do we know? I mean, I would think the video game. That seems to be what typically happens, not the other way around. All right, Tiff, you had The Bloody Inn, Kingsburg, and Quadropolis. Bloody Inn, you're welcome. <laughs> as Dan has already completely spoiled... <laughs> Uh, I did play the Bloody Inn. You're welcome. I'm glad that I played it. Thank you so much, Dan, from the bottom of my heart for everything you do for me. Uh, So that was great. Uh, Kingsburg did not get played, and no one seemed to be playing Quadropolis at Origins, so... Yeah, what was up with that? I thought that'd be hot. I expected to see it there, but oh well. It came out in, what, April? So... I mean, too. I mean, I understand, but I guess maybe maybe it was being played just in like the board game room. Tiff, it's old news now. Came out in well, April. Well, Asmodee didn't have a booth, so that might have been part of it because that actually might be. Part they of weren't it. demoing anything, therefore there was right. nothing to buy. Like unless you went to like a third party kind of thing. So I think that had a huge play on seeing Asmodee titles in general. I didn't see a lot of them except for the Bloody End. You're welcome. Yeah. Okay, Dan. We get it. <laughs> 
Thank you. All right, Tiff, what is on tap for July? Okay, so I have a new top of the stack strategy. All right. Because probably at least half of my game group gets irritated that we never play the same game twice. I'm trying to pick a game that I've played before and play it more than once. So I'm going to do that for every top of the stack. So, I have never been prouder. <laughs> uh, so I put Hansa Teutonic on there. That one works twofold since I've been challenged. I need to practice a little bit. Uh, before Gen Con so I can take down Dan once again and prove that it's not just because he was the fifth player. I'm not practicing, so I will... But you've played it more than me, because when I beat you, that was my first time playing. That was my second. I was inexperienced compared to you. You have twice as much experience as me, and you lost. I did. They all lost, Tiff. They did. They all lost. <laughs> Um, well, here's I the. Promise. How about this as a new challenge? We'll play a five-player game with you as the fifth player, and you have to beat my <laughs> score from last time. Do you remember your score? Did you log it? I think I did. Twelve. It wasn't much higher. <laughs> there was like I think it was high twenties. Um. Okay. So there's that's Hansa Teutonica and uh, Agility was a Kickstarter that I backed. And it's kind of just sitting around in shrink, and there's an adorable dog on the front of it that is like, come on, play me. So <laughs> I'm, I'm really... I wish I backed that. Do you think your dog will get pissed as he's like in his stroller, and you're playing this one about agile dogs? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, what the heck, Mom? You're playing a game about dogs running around, but you won't walk me around? She's getting rid of me soon. Look. She's in love with all these dogs that can walk, and here she is pushing me in a stroller. I remember when I could jump through a hoop. I have two other dogs, and for the record, Kingsley could never jump through a hoop. He was born an old man. Benjamin Button just never in reverse. Not I could go He'll into the details, soon. but yeah, he had like problems with his knees from birth. It's like a defect because he's a purebred dog. And that's just, the problem there. I'm just saying. Maybe that's a new segment. Maybe I'll do like... Dog update? No, your dog's thoughts from the stroller. Okay. What would the voice of Tiff's dog be? I don't know what a dog sounds like. What kind of dog do you have? Um, Kingsley is a Cavalier King Charles. So he's tiny. So he'd be, yeah, he'd be British, high-pitched British. So maybe like Essex, like... You know, maybe. Let's hear it, Dan. Come nah, on. Nah, Lay it on us. It's too early for a British act. It's too soon. I'm, I'm still mad that they left the EU. So but My last one for the top of my stack is the Back to the Future card game. I picked that up at Origins, and I think that'll be an easy one to get in because who doesn't like Back to the Future, right? Like, that should be easy to convince people to play, and it doesn't look too complicated to learn because a lot of times that's my barrier is I just... <laughs> get frustrated having to learn all the games for game night because yeah. it's always my collection that we're playing and i get it it's like my responsibility but uh, i'm not into rules i think that might be my next vlog why you're not into rules yeah i'm just not that into you rules you can make it all like sappy <laughs> my breakup with rules maybe a rom-com vlog dear rules <laughs> i'm sorry to have to tell you this but i'm just not that into you yeah, that's how it's going to go. So, yeah, those are my three. Hansa, Teutonica, Agility, and Back to the Future. And I really do believe I can get all three of those done this month. We're playing games now. There are people coming to game night. I don't have school. Also, oh, man, I should have made a social game part of that because I'm going to have Strings Camp in July, and I know I'm going to get Dead Last played. All right, so add Dead Last. All right, I'm adding Dead Last. I have four games. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you'll only wind up playing Mana Surge. <laughs> that does tend to happen. <laughs> I'm like, hey, guys, I learned the rules to this meaty Euro game. Anybody want to play it? How about Mana Surge? All right, fine. Tiff will sit in the corner and play Waterdeep on her phone. Yep. For the record, I like Mana Surge. It's pretty. Yeah, that was the thing that Justin really likes about it is how pink it is. It's awfully pink and purple. It's got a lot of fuchsia. Some lavender. It's better than green. It's like the anti-Tiff game. Listen, guys, this is we really have to dispel this rumor. Green is not, like, I love La Isla, not because it's green, but because it's a great game. I don't need my games to be green. In fact, I prefer them to be blue. Nope. Last time I checked, you love green, Yeah, Tiff. you like green games, Tiff. You're not, I'm almost positive you love you're green. You're not going to buck that one. Guys, my favorite color is blue. Blue. That, do, that doesn't mean, so my favorite color is green, but I don't like green games. You're weird, Dan. So I just dispelled you. You know what else you can dispel in? Mana Surge. <laughs> All right. Well, this episode brought to you by Daily Magic Games. Go pick up Mana Surge. <laughs> Great little card game. How about you, Matt? What's going on with your top of the stack? Well, it seems like we all surprisingly went to a gaming convention together and then crapped the bed in terms of playing games on our <laughs> top of the stack. So I had a few acres of snow, didn't play it. Entropy, I played it, but not at Origins. But I mean, it counts. I played it in June. Forbidden Stars, tried to set up a game, didn't play it. The Bloody Inn, I apparently missed the boat on when you guys actually played that, so didn't get that. And I only put that on there as a joke to be nice to you, Tiff. And it ends up biting me because now I only got 25%. Don't worry. I saved the day. I played <laughs> Bloody Inn with Tiff. But you didn't play it with me. That's the problem. Dan needs a medal, apparently, for playing Bloody Inn with me. I don't need a medal. I played a game with Tiff. Don't worry. Keeping this show afloat single-handedly. <laughs> Somebody had to entertain Tiff at Origins. <laughs> Other, otherwise, I would, would have just sat in the corner by myself. She yeah. would have. Thanks, Dan. Mm -hmm. So, okay, so you quote-unquote crap the bed at Origins, but as we're sitting here doing this, you keep adding more and more games to what you're doing in July. So what I remembered was I refused to take a few acres of snow off my top of the stack until I play it. So it's on there. It's got to be. I know how to play it. Ben's coming over tomorrow for an all-day game day, and we're going to play this game, and he, whether he likes it or not. So, but that's this is your happening. fifth game on your top of the stack. Okay, pause, 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 pause. <laughs> I also put Matai and I on there because Kel saw it. She thought it was pretty because that's how she evaluates games. She'd be great for this podcast, wouldn't she? She's like, this game looks nice. I was like, yeah, I played it. It's kind of fun. So we've got that. Mana surge. <laughs> so Matai and I know how to play, and that's a small box card game. I can get that done easily during the week. I'm not working. You know, I'm off for the summer too, so I can handle that. Now, Blood Rage is a big game, but I want to play it. Kel loved this game. I was kind of taken aback by how much she loved this game to the point where she was like talking about it three days later. So I think I can convince her to play it, although Dan says no go to two player. That game is that game is, game is four only. <laughs> yeah. So we're going to have to muster up probably three, but maybe if we can find a fourth. So those games I can do. That's a reasonable top of the stack. Now, Bear Valley is a game that we were provided from Stronghold Games. Now, that's not why it's on top of my stack. The reason why it's on top of my stack is because I need to know what is going on with this game. Me too. Because people don't like it. People's Then people are like, but wait, everyone's doing everything wrong. Then people do like it. People are like, this game's pretty, this game's weird. There's 40 pages of rules. 90 of those pages are examples. I need to know what's going on with Bear Valley. So 
in effort to motivate me. This is going to be probably the most challenging game because I do not want to read that rule book. In, in an effort to not make our listeners dumber having listened to us, um, you can't have a 40-page rule book with 90 of them being pictures. Just a little quick math. Just for clarifying. Just, yeah, I mean, I mean, at least keep your hyperbole close. Dan's in finance and I'm in education, so you see where the math strength is. Uh, it should be so. in education. <laughs> <laughs> But apparently I learned to count outside of school. <laughs> Matt doesn't teach math, though. Give him a break. No, that's true. I teach behavior. That's cool. I just, I mean, I just, I'm all for hyperbole. I'm just saying we should keep it a little bit closer to reality. I thought Dan was going to offer to play Bear Valley with you, but I was wrong. I want to play, I want to play this game. I want to see Keep the why. podcast afloat and add that to your top of the stack, buddy. Done. Because you know what? That's what I do. <laughs> Dan has officially added Bear Valley to his top of the stack in a moment of hubris. <laughs> yep, that's what I do. So what I'm going to do is I got four games, but I'm not going to play 90 of them. He's going to end up with like 120% of his top of, top of the stack completed. Yep. So I do have one more game, and it's Diluvia Project. Now, this is on there because this is the game out of all these games that I really want to play, and I'm trying to do this as a motivating factor. I'm pretty sure I'm setting myself up for failure. Me too. But because like Dan is busy, he's doing traveling, I'm traveling at the end of the month, I've got the same wedding to go to. I'm really counting on Ben to tick these off tomorrow. So, (laughs) You and Ben are going to play five games tomorrow. What time is he coming over? I think we're going to have pancakes together. Oh, okay. And then we're going to play some Bear Valley. You guys and your pancakes, that's like a Halstead tradition, apparently. Do you not like pancakes? No, I, I like pancakes, but... It might be an American tradition. Yeah, okay, yeah. maybe. Wait, what do you eat? Oh, sorry, you have pierogies for breakfast because you're mm, from Ohio. I love pierogies. I and would eat pierogies for breakfast, but no. So would Kel. Can, we, can we talk about how sad I was about Barley's pierogies when we were in Origins? Oh, man, they were crap this time. Yeah, here's the thing about, let me give you a tip for Origins next time, people. Don't eat pierogies at Barley's necessarily. Eat pierogies at North Market because those are the authentic, delicious pierogies. The ones at Barley's are okay. By authentic, do you mean that people are Polish? Yeah. All right. Their last name ends in ski? Most likely, I assume. Mm -hmm. Their name is Pierogi Ski. (laughs) Not the pierogies, the people making them. (laughs) Anyway. Let's talk a little bit about what uh, some of the people over on the guild number 2077 contributed for their top of the stack because these people deserve some recognition. Matt Wolf completed his top of the stack. He played New Amsterdam, Forenzi, and Vikings. Dan can get behind that list, I'm I'm sure. I can get behind Vikings. I don't know about Forenzi and New Amsterdam, as I talked about in like episode like four, didn't really like it all that much. Do you remember, like, episode four? I do. When you and Todd became best friends over New Amsterdam? Yeah. Todd and I had a spirited debate, and it was, it really just formed the foundation of our, our bromance. Yeah, yeah. You have so well, many bromances. <laughs> it's kind of dancing. I spread love, Tiff. That's what I do. I'm like, I'm like Cupid for board gamers, except I just... Except he shoots himself with the arrow. Now I'm picturing you in a diaper. Just so you know. <laughs> I, I probably should have thought that one out a bit more. I don't know if I'm the Cupid. I don't know. What would I be? Like wings, little wings. Nah, I'm afraid of heights. I don't want to fly. Do you have a curly, little curly hair? A little baby face? Mm. Yeah, I just picture that little front piece of his hair being curled around. Little chubby Dan. Little t- <laughs> In a diaper. Like, well, I right. think you're thinking of the Copperstone baby. <laughs> <laughs> 
That works too. Just walking around with my ass crack showing all day. Speaking of your best buddy Todd, he also contributed. He wanted to play Colbaron, Longhorn, Morels, and Team Play. Go Todd. That is a yeah. solid top of the stack. It's a good list. I approve. I think I need to be hanging out with Mike though, because he wanted to play World's Fair, Broom Service, and Viticulture. I also approve. And Sam Freeman wanted to play Legendary Encounters Predator, Rush and Bash, which I did not know what that was. And Above and Below, which hopefully he didn't waste his time playing Above and Below. Oh, come on. It's not that bad. Wait a minute. I thought you liked that game. No, we talked about it. It was my most boring of 2015. I guess. Dan doesn't (laughs) listen to the podcast. I don't. It's okay. None of us do, except you. (laughs) Except me. (laughs) You apparently listen to it. It's weird. All right. So that is Top of the Stack. Let's go ahead and round out the show. We don't need any breaks. We're just flying through this. I want to round out the show with some Q&A, and I'm going to start with one question. We'll see how our time looks in terms of continuing on. But uh, Brendan Riley, who is a relatively new listener, posted in our forum over on BGG Guild number 2077, and he said, For new listeners, it would be great if each host could tell us a couple things about you that will help us know your gaming tastes and personalities time out at the table time out let's spice it up because that's what we do here spicy each one of us does the other two boom boom (laughs) this is how we roll interesting because it's sunday morning and i'm trying to stay awake tiffany b i want you to tell me a little bit about dan i think this is a good question because not everybody has been listening since todd and dan became friends in episode four So it's good to, we always say, like, if you know us, you know that Dan doesn't like games. Well, let's describe that a little bit more. So Tiff, Tiff, tell me about Dan as a person and a gamer. I just want to let you know Hmm. that I'm I'm looking at you on Skype. Your hair looks lovely. That t-shirt really just brings out your eyes. Um, Also. It's black. It's blue, like my eyes. It's blue, like her eyes, Matt. Yeah, see how much, see, I know Tiff. And you know what, Tiff? You played the bloody in. And... (laughs) You're welcome. And I'll never forget that. <laughs> One time. Hey, Tiff, did you like the Bloody Inn? I did. Oh, okay. Because was... we didn't actually ask that part. It doesn't matter. She played it. That's all that matters. Top of the Stack is not about playing stuff you like. It's about playing stuff. <laughs> it is. It's about playing It's games. the grind, Matt. It's the hustle. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Oh, my face right, hurts. Tiff. I can't talk about Dan. Um, Please, t- if there's one thing in the world so that you you wanted this podcast to be about, it was like, I hope Matt asks me to talk about Dan. Come on, Tiff. I won't be mad. You can say it. Keep it real. What are you talking about? I, I have nice things to say about you, Dan. They're all nice. So, okay. Dan, as a gamer, is... He'll Brilliant. play anything. He'll play anything you want to play, but he'll definitely <laughs> complain about it if it's something he doesn't like. So let's get that out of the way. He's willing to try anything. Uh, well, so we'll go there. And then uh, Solus Euros are his bread and butter. You, you need to have those in there, and the probably like uh, more on the heavy side than the medium side. Um, what else do you need to know about Dan? He hates deck building. He doesn't like real time. What else don't you like, Dan? He likes, he likes games. bidding. Oh, yeah. He likes bidding, which is weird. No, I don't. I hate auction games. Or I thought you liked auction I games. See, I hate auction games, and I thought that Dan did I, too. I like auction games in like a closed 
economy system. Like, I like it when it's not just, uh, seven. He has very specific auction game requirements. Dan also likes blocking in his worker placement. Mm -hmm. Well, can you have worker placement that doesn't have blocking? You can. Dan hates it. It's called euphoria. Oh, right. Just, just blanket statement i hate euphoria i mean that's just... <laughs> right he hates cthulhu <laughs> you're not gonna see him playing a whole lot of ameritrash games but he will he will play uh and deep down he loves dead of winter oh i hate dead of winter for the passion. you have been playing dead of winter buddy i heard from dan licata this I goes know back now. to the i will play things but i'm gonna at the end of the game go that sucked <laughs> like i'm not gonna lie like <laughs> But, and, and I want to clarify, I don't hate Cthulhu. I don't think I understand Cthulhu. <laughs> <laughs> I hate zombies. Cthulhu, I just don't know. And everything. Supernatural themes are not Dan's favorite. Dan likes fantasy and he likes Shadowrun, which is cyberpunk fantasy. Yeah. And pirates. He really likes pirates. Loves pirates. Mm-hmm. He's mediocre on space. I like space. I'm a big fan of space. I also like uh, medieval cities, um, farming. All right, all those boring themes. Dan likes to stoically look out his window at a landscape. He's a master of spreadsheets. That's important for you to know about Dan. Yeah, yeah. Dan will likely beat you on a first play of a game. No, I won't. I'll beat you the second play of a game because <laughs> the first play, I'm like, what the hell's going on here? <laughs> <laughs> Smee will beat us on the first play every time. And Dan loves punching out games. Yes. It's a spiritual experience for him. Yes. It's been a real, I that's... real nice love fest, guys. Thanks. And he doesn't mind learning rules. That's another thing. I love a good that rule That sets book. you apart. He'll, he'll curl up with a rule book mm-hmm. and a cup of tea, and he'll learn whatever you need him to learn. Often he'll read a rule book instead of playing a game if he doesn't like I'll it. I will sit in my smoking <laughs> chair, put on my robe. Curl up. You have a smoking chair? No, I don't even have a chair, but. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's let's keep this radio moving. Enough about me. That was awesome. So, Matt likes shit. Tiff loves. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Dan, would you rather talk about, I think. <laughs> let me go. Would I'll it be go. healthy family therapy to make Dan talk nice about me, or can we just let him talk about Tiff? I can talk about everyone. Tiff. Tiff loves animals. Oh, we want to talk board gaming. Sorry. Tiff loves carrying her animals in non-conventional vessels. Tiff transports animals for a living <laughs> by by means of walking, rolling, driving. <laughs> Give me a break. It's just one dog. I know. It can't it's walk. just funny. It's so sad. I know. It does sound sad. You should have got a backpack instead. They have yeah. those. They have the like, you know, those things for babies, like that you put them on your front of you, and they're like, they, their arms are sticking out. They have those for dogs, and it looks so wrong. It's weird. That poor dog. Yeah. All right. So for our buddy Brandon, let me talk to you for a second. No, I'm kidding. If you want a game with Tiff, it's either gonna have zombies, Lonius, dice, or some other quirky theme. It should maybe be bought in yen. <laughs> Um, or crowns or ruples. You should buy it in pounds now. Like, oh man, that pound dropped like crazy. Get them board games from the UK. Um, sorry, UK residents, that you're going into recession, but sorry. What else about Tiff? Tiff loves dice placement. Tiff, prior favorite. Tiff likes finding things, like weird, weird games. Yeah. The thrill of the hunt. I think hunt. she's kind of gone away from that, though. I don't think she's as hipster as she, 
she says she is anymore. But I've toned it back. Have you seen her? I've hair? been trying. I've been trying to not buy games in general, so that precludes hunting for things. Because hipster is tough. Because you could pay a ton of money and get a just turd. Yes. Um, especially when you get into like the Japanese market, like those games are very hit or miss. Tiff, the the biggest thing for Tiff, I think, is the time length sweet spot. That forty five minute game. Yeah. T- forty five to sixty minute. Tiff loves a game of any kind that hits that. Because if you play spot. a longer game, Tiff's turn could take forty five minutes. Because <laughs> she is a huge A peer. But that's okay. Yes. Because we love her and we just make fun of her when she does it. Yes, you make it's my turns take longer if I'm playing with Dan because he will mercilessly ridicule me for my entire turn. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean i can't help it that like we've changed the clocks twice since your turn started <laughs> we lost an hour and gained that hour back tiff i'll play longer games i like longer games tiff is not a big social gamer except she totally is it just matters about the people yes you know that's probably true with the right yeah. people i can play a social game and be good at it. But she only likes like 12 people in this world. It's true. It's a very low mm-hmm. percentage. Yeah. Tiff's that girl that R.E.M. sings about that's in the corner losing her religion. She just stays in the corner. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that was a weird reference or not. That was <laughs> that was a great weird reference. I love R.E.M. Yeah. yeah. Now you know that. Tiff knows what the frequency is. Uh, Tiff likes photography and vlogging. Doing videos, teaching small children how to play board games. She does not like stickiness. It's her least favorite thing about kids. And yeah, I think that that's, I don't know, Tiff, what did we miss? I don't know. There were so many, that was like such a huge variety of things. You went from like how I transport my dog to like my hygiene preferences. Like it covered a lot. Good job, guys. Tiff's very clean. (laughs) I'm tidy. She's a worthy member of your game group. (laughs) She probably wipes the table off before you start. Definitely, definitely. Yeah. Gotta keep it respects, clean. Respects the corners of your game boxes. Oh, so much. I'm so... Things like that. <laughs> I'm so neurotic about my game boxes. <laughs> I will trade a game away if the corner is messed up. All right, let's talk about Matt. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so I spell my handle stupidly, so we can close out the show. <laughs> Matt spells his name like a an idiot. Cause Lucky me. <laughs> nobody can find him. Matt likes theme. He likes Ameritrash games that have theme and dice and combat and conflict. and. Uh. He likes those things, but he also likes the most abstract, abstract games. <laughs> like, if it's just, like, plain wood pieces, like, this is a... No wonder you like Imhotep, right? Like, here's the brown player, and here's the darker brown player, mm-hmm. and this represents nothing. Yeah. That's a game for Matt. Here's a game where the pieces are the various colors of stool as <laughs> they make your way through your body. Let's play a game around that. Yeah, well, Tiff would buy that game about stool moving through your body. She oh, would. yeah. And she'd buy it at a premium. She would. <laughs> she would. And then I'd send it to you for Christmas. Um, let's what see. Is... You'll play two. You'll play anything two-player that you can play two-player, which is amazing. I, you know? Yeah, Matt will yeah. play a lot of two-player games. He does get to play the most out of all of us because of that and he'll replay games he's the least cult of the new out of all of us i think i love playing games again which makes him the least cult of the awesome that's right (laughs) (laughs) i did have my membership revoked from cult of the awesome it was unfortunate it's because i played imhotep again 
Not until you change that Twitter handle. <laughs> I refuse to change the Twitter handle. Oh, here's one thing that a lot of people don't know. If you look at Matt's BGG handle, it's even dumber. Is it? Because uh, cinnamon buns. You're not supposed to talk was about that. Not, was taken. So he spells it cinnamon buns. S. Oh no no no! There's a better story than that. Oh well, either way, it's dumber. Let's hear the story. It's it's not even a story. It's one sentence. I didn't check my spelling. <laughs> you misspelled the dumbest spelled handle. <laughs> Your handle is so stupidly spelled that you can't even spell it. I, that is the saddest truth about my handle. And now I'm burdened with it forever. Yeah. I can't change it now. There's no going back. BGG. And that's why I. Sunnaman yeah, uh, buns. Yes. Those shiny, sticky, warming things that just, you know, people lay out and get tanned by. It's, it's the saddest part of my gaming life. It's why I don't log on to BGG ever. Well, I mean, if you don't log on, you might as well just go ahead and change it then. Because there's no way. You can't change it. No, you just well, start just a new start one. Just start a new one. Oh, well. Nobody knows you. I mean, are you engaging no, in the community? Does everybody know Sonaman Muns? <laughs> <laughs> they're like, what it happened to Sonaman Muns? Every time you Who's say this it? guy with that sunny disposition that's always talking in the forums. <laughs> dun 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 dun. Stand- Buns. I can't even, like. As much self-confidence as I cultivate, I can't even stand behind it. It's so sad. I think, okay, so let's get back to Matt as a gamer. I think he's probably the, like, least choosy of us. Like, Dan will play anything, but he definitely has things that he likes. And if you choose Alanius Cthulhu zombie game, he is not going to be happy, although he will play it with you. But Matt might like it, and Matt might also turn around and play a soulless Euro game and like that too. Like, he's got eclectic taste, this one. I think another way of saying that is I have no standards. Yeah, that's I didn't want to say it, but <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, I know, Dan. It's okay. The bar is lower okay. for Matt. But that's not a bad thing. That means he gets to play more often and enjoy himself He's more often. He's happier. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> He's the happiest of the all happiest of all gamers. But then there's that reverse style where it's like you really know what you like to play, then you just strive for that and you're happy too. But Are there things that you hate? I just realized that I can't think of a game mechanic that you absolutely hate. Like, Dan and I each have our things that we can't stand. I once, I think I remembered that I don't like something. Oh, I do. Know, you know what I don't like? Hmm. So this is a, the inside mat. Ew, that sounds weird. This, <laughs> I do not like programmed movement. Yeah, you don't see that very often. Not hidden movement, program movement. I hate Robo Rally, which I'd still play it, like, honestly. I don't, I don't like Lords of Zidit. I guess I wouldn't like Himalaya since that's what that's based off of. I do like Volt though, which is program. I okay, I guess I like everything. <laughs> All right, so that's I it. I found two games I don't like. Two games in the world. Yeah. So <laughs> So, you know, Brendan Riley, excellent question. It's always good to recap who in the world you're listening to. For everyone else who's not Brendan, sorry you just had to listen to that for 15 minutes. (laughs) Which is basically what you listen to every episode. Uh, Yeah, so I think that's probably a decent place to stop. There's a lot of other good questions that we will just be bringing into the fold, uh, ending the episodes and such. We had a couple more on tap, but I think that that... Yeah, Dan spiced it up, and uh, it filled out the show, so thank you, Dan. Um, You're welcome. I've been saying that a lot this episode, but... Well, wait, you saying you're welcome to Tiff when she's not saying thank you for playing the Bloody Inn Does it count? 
You can't just walk around and say you're welcome uh, to people. Uh, yes, you can because you. I know deep down, <laughs> Tip is like, thank you, Dave. Thank you. He like, can read my mind. I can read her mind. I see it in her eyes right now that match her shirt. Black. Blue. I don't have black eyes. Her least favorite gaming color. I made that joke twice. Heyo. It was. It killed the first time. Anyway, thank you all for joining us for the podcast of Nonsensical Gamers. If you ever want to reach out, you can do so on Facebook at the League of Nonsensical Gamers. Shoot us an email at podcast at nonsensicalgamers.com. Find us on BGG Guild number 2077. Dan, do you still have a geek gold to give out for a tiny Meeple Shield micro badge? I got a ton of geek gold. I don't have anything to do with it. I don't know what people do with geek gold other than buy like 75 micro badges and then you can only display five of them. Yeah. You can buy those banners, can't you? Yeah, I guess. Let's say podcast. But even so, like after you bought all that, it's like, what do you do with it? Like, what else do you use Geek Gold for? Tipping people, I guess? Yeah, you tip people if they put something out there that helps you. All right. Say something awesome in the guild and I'll Pay tip Pay it forward, people. Dan. Yeah. If you post in the guild, I'll, I'll tip you something. This is going to be interesting. We're bribing people to come to the guild. Perfect. Come to the guild and we'll give you fake money. Yeah. Great. Uh, you can also find us on YouTube. Tiff is officially, she's been posting her Board of Education videos, lots of good content there, but now she's officially vlogging. Tiff, what is your first vlog about? Uh, it's about convention tips, specifically for maybe people like me, introverted people, possibly. It's a good video. They work for anyone but yeah yeah they branch out and uh, if you ever want to see tiff without her glasses you got three and a half minutes that's the only time you're gonna see it sans glasses uh you can also find us on instagram hashtag nonsensical gamers or feel free to use it yourself if you want to share uh your pics i look through that hashtag all the time and just stare at my own pictures it's great and uh yeah so you can also if you like the show or if you have constructive feedback to provide us you can head over to itunes you can head over to Google Play or Stitcher, leave us some reviews. doesn't have to be five stars, it just has to be honest. Let us know what you think about the show, and uh, we use that content to get noticed, to improve the show, and to just feel good about ourselves. So thank you to everyone who has contributed there. If you want to chat with us, if you want to find us out on the interwebs, Twitter is the best place to do that. So Tiff, if they want to talk to you about how thankful you are to Dan for playing the Bloody Inn. So thankful. They can find you at... I am at IneptGamer, and I've actually been tweeting, so for yeah. now, you get like a month yeah. or so of that during the year. <laughs> and Dan, if people want to find you either to get personal or to talk about board games on the league handle, where do they do that? Um, at your welcome Tiff, and uh, <laughs> I might change my handle to that. Um, at League Nonsense for the League's account. That's where we, we, we talk business. We talk shop. At Scandals underscore Nad. If, I don't know. If you want to talk, whatever. I don't care. Let's talk Brexit. Oh, boy. That's going to be interesting. Head over there and just watch that fervor. I'm kidding. I don't do politics in 140 characters. It's, it's stupid. He only uses 100. That's all I need. It's even l- less constructive. If you want to find me, you can do so at the stupidest handle on Twitter that refuses to change. Cinnamon buns, spelled phonetically, that's S-I-N, no U's involved. Well, there well, is a U right after there, the end. There are there's, U's. There's U's later. There's a U right after the end. No, S-I-N-U-H. Yeah, you said no U's involved, but it's literally the next letter. No one is ever going to find you. Yeah, well, the people who have found me, I love you dearly, but I know you don't tweet at me because I take up all of your Twitter characters. If I could make my handle longer, I would. So thank you all for joining us. You can find us next week for some boardcast news. We will see you then. Everyone say goodbye. Toodles. Bye. You're welcome, Tim. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Dan. <laughs>